Hi, this is Mark, lead pastor of Lux Digital Church. I want to thank you for joining us today and also invite you to join with us live at twitch.tv slash Church every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. EST. Thank you for joining us and please enjoy this message. Hello and welcome to Lux Digital Church. My name is Mark and I'm the pastor here at Lux. And just for the record, the chat uh, that wins so far tonight is whoever said that I'm pretty sure that prayers in that accent are twice as powerful, followed almost immediately by the person that says Jesus is black. So I just want to say that I'm really... You're, you're close. You're actually pretty close. So um, I just want to say thank you for being here tonight. And we're so glad that you're here. And no matter where you're from and what part of the world you're from, what background you come from, we're really glad that you're here. And if you're here for the very first time, you're our special guest. And whenever you feel comfortable, I'd love for you to take a next step with us. Say hello in the chat or drop a follow here on the channel. If you say hello in the chat, all we're going to do is we're going to welcome you into our family. A lot of our members of our church family and members of our team are here in chat. We'd love to just welcome you and say hello. And if you drop a follow here on the channel, all that we're going to do is send you a direct message over the course of the next week and invite you to come and join us on Discord, which is where we are all the time. And if you're part of our on-demand family, meaning you're joining us either via VOD or YouTube or podcast, then welcome to church. We're really glad to have you. Thanks for investing in your spiritual journey, but church isn't just about consumption. It's also about participation. So we'd love for have you come and join us live for a service or to come and join us in Discord. And either in the description of this video or in the panels below, you'll be able to find a link to our Discord community where we are at 24-7, and we would love to see you there. Um, we've seen just some really, be honest with you, chat in church, like I haven't been with you in two weeks. And so it's really good to be home. Um, I just, I have really missed you, even though I'm not home right now, like being here with so many of you who I know and love and who are part of our family. Uh, it feels like I'm, I'm home. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, my wife and I got the chance to be part of the Extraordinary Church Collective Retreat. Um, and we had Chino Mage do the Mage family stream. His family from Tampa took over everything. You're here for that. Thank you guys for being part of that. And last week we had Pastor Alex who came and brought a really powerful message while I was like feverishly in the chat, just shamelessly eating tacos basically in bed um, while I was also being part of church and amen for tacos and digital church. I'm really glad that those things can ex just like coexist so beautifully together. Um, and I'm really glad to be back. Yeah, we're live from NCMS. So this is not our normal background. And if you're watching later on, you might be thinking like that is a very weird look for the studio. And that's because we're on a stage in Marble Falls, Texas this week, and we will be back in studio next week as we get prepared to wrap up this 10-week collection of talks that we've been on called The Conversationalist. And in it, we've been examining how Jesus told these really unique and sometimes cryptic stories about things like sheep, which we're gonna talk about tonight, or seeds, or soil, or fish, that connected to larger, much bigger ideas. And he did moral teaching through these simple stories. But what's alarming is that Jesus wasn't famous. He wasn't born as a king. He wasn't rich. He didn't have the internet. He never went viral. And yet he's been the most influential person in all of human history. All of the West would literally not be the same if it wasn't for the person of Jesus. And whether you believe that Jesus was the son of God or a crazy person it doesn't really make a difference because Jesus still has impacted your life in crazy, radical ways, in ways that you can't possibly unweave from the culture that you live in or the people that you've encountered. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason that Jesus changed so many lives and the reason that Jesus not only impacted lives before but are still impacting lives today. He did that through stories. In fact, that's our key statement for this series, the one point that links all of our messages together and makes sure that we're staying on track. Our key statement for this series is this. Jesus told stories then that are still changing the world today. 
Jesus told stories then that are still changing the world today. Now, 2,000 years later, this teacher who told stories mostly about agriculture and fishing somehow, some way, is still shaping and transforming people's lives 2,000 years later, he didn't sit down and write a book in order to do it. He didn't film any videos. He wasn't in any master classes online. You can't sub to him and you can't go find him right now. You can't see any of his content. It doesn't continue to live on. But in some way, shape, or form, this teaching and these stories have been passed down from generation to generation for thousands of years. And once again, whether you believe Jesus is the Son of God or you don't believe anything about Jesus, you cannot get away from the fact that you have to do something with the stories that he taught because they've radically changed the world in a way that nobody else through the entire course of human history has ever been able to. Here at Lux Digital Church, we believe that's because Jesus was more than a man, but I'll leave that up to you. Here at Lux, we always say we're a place of spiritual guidance, not a place of spiritual authority. So if you're a spiritual explorer and you're looking for truth or you're just exploring Christianity, I want to let you know we're not going to tell you what to believe. We will share with you what it is that we believe, but we're just glad that you're along the journey with us. So as you have questions and you'd like to chat about stuff, a lot of times our team will literally take those questions out of the chat and DM them to me in Discord, and then we'll begin talking about those at the end of the night. And if we don't get a chance to talk about them, we actually catalog them. And I do something called Monday Night Live once a month where I sit down in a chair and we just talk through a bunch of the questions that people have asked that we haven't had a chance to talk about. It's really important in a platform, especially like Twitch, we get this opportunity for two-way dialogue. And although I'm reading the chat right here, it's hard for me to always read and answer questions on the spot as we're also going through a teaching from God's Word, and in this case, a teaching about some of the things that Jesus taught and said. Tonight, we're actually gonna look at a relatively short story that we've looked at many times here at Lux because it helps form our identity as a church. See, our church has three core values. These are things that tell us who we are and what is important to us. And one of those core, they're all greater than things, by the way. One of them is together is greater than alone. Rhythm is greater than religion. And our third core value, but certainly not our least, and in many ways our first, is a simple wrong equation if it isn't for the Bible, but it's this. One is greater than 99. One is greater than 99. This is a core value that started in our church and has been a major part of who our church is. So if you have some questions, feel free to post them as they come to you. We'll send them to Mark. Thank you, Doc. I appreciate you. Five in the chat for Doc. He's amazing. Um, and uh, and so um, as we look at this core value tonight, we're going to be looking at a story that Jesus told because this core value comes from a story that Jesus told about sheep and a sheep and a shepherd. It's a really powerful story that comes to us in a really specific time. We're actually going to look at two different passages where it comes from because it comes to us from the book of Luke and also, I believe, from the book of Matthew. And it's two different contexts and Jesus is talking about two different groups of people, but they have a really striking similarity. The first one comes to us in the book of Luke. There's all of these children that want to flock and come around Jesus, and Jesus is sort of resistant, or Jesus is not resistant to the idea, but the disciples are resistant to the idea. They keep blocking the children and preventing them from hassling or coming close to Jesus. And when Jesus sees this happening, he calls some of the children over to him, and he says this in Luke chapter 15, and we're going to go ahead and throw it up on the screen, and it's this. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 in the hills and look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any one of these little ones should perish. I'm sorry, that's the passage from the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 12 and going to verse 14. 
In this passage, we see the context around it. Listen, Jewish children were little more than possessions until their 13th birthday when they became adults. They certainly weren't allowed to go and uh, bother or hassle a, a leader inside of a synagogue, uh, specifically not a religious leader and not a rabbi. So Jesus welcoming children into his presence was extremely rare for a rabbi to do, something that a Jewish adult typically would never do. And so what Jesus is saying is he's calling out these children that are nearby him, and he's recognizing them as being valid. In fact, somewhere in this passage, he says, if you will not enter the kingdom of God as one of these children, it's going to be hard or impossible to actually enter the kingdom of God. It's this really powerful statement because in all of these parables, we've looked at the fact that Jesus is specifically talking about something called the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, depending on which of the gospel accounts that you look at, although they mean the same exact thing, just for different audiences. See, the kingdom of heaven was this grand concept, and it's the thing that Jesus talked about more than he talked about anything else. And you can't really understand any of Jesus' teachings or any of the ancient uh, context around him without understanding the concepts of the kingdom of Israel and also understanding the concepts around the kingdom of heaven. See, the Jews were waiting for a Messiah, somebody who would come and would sit on the throne in Jerusalem, the throne of David. They had a prophets who had spoken to them and told them that at one point there would be someone that would come that would overthrow their oppressors if they were faithful to God, and that person would sit on the throne, and they would sit on the throne forever. The Jews had this sort of heyday in their past when David was their ruler. He had expanded their territories, kicked the butts of their enemies, and he reigned on high. And he handed off the kingdom to his son, Solomon, who also ruled with a great deal of wisdom and enormous amounts of wealth. It was during this time that Israel was one of the most powerful nations on the planet, or at least in their neck of the woods. And Israel had been through a heck of a lot of difficult things since then. They had split between two nations, a northern and a southern one. They had been through many wars. They had been exiled and conquered multiple times. And the Jews were constantly seeking for this Messiah that would come and would return them back to their heyday of their ancestor, King David. So every time that the Jews were coming and asking Jesus questions about what the kingdom would be like, and he was using stories to tell them, he was constantly counteracting this assumption that he was going to be some sort of a diplo like a, a political leader or a military leader that was going to rally a group of people or maybe an army to overthrow the Roman legions, conquer Jerusalem, and sit on the throne forever, and his line would continue into the future. As long as the Jews were faithful, they would become a ruling superpower known all across the world, and nobody would be able to stand against them because their God would defend them, protect them, and expand their territory. They would once again be realigned with becoming the nation of priests that they were always intended to be. But when Jesus spoke about the kingdom, he constantly spoke in these really cryptic ways, specifically about sheep and shepherds. He, he says, listen, there is this grouping of sheep and one of the sheep wanders off. It would be almost weird for you to leave the 99 behind just to search for the one, but evidently that was something that was common. It was a way that the people could relate. They certainly understood this concept of going and searching for the one lost sheep. He actually reinforces that in the book of Luke, but he's talking about a very different group of people, not specifically about young children, but in this case, he's talking about prostitutes and tax collectors, which we've talked about here before at Lux, has a significant amount of meaning. Uh, prostitutes were the people who'd sort of abandoned uh, the moral code of the Jewish people. Uh, they sort of um, abandoned their moral upbringing. They were no longer trying to align themselves with the ways of God or the ancient laws. And the tax collectors were depicted as people who would betray the Jews 
and had sided with the Romans. Uh, these were both religious and moral betrayers, but they were also political and national betrayers. And so when we see tax collectors and prostitutes, they symbolize a much wider range of people which would just have been viewed as sinners or people who are unworthy of entering the ancient temple and were really considered to be a thorn in the side of the Jews and the whole reason that they were occupied in the first place. Many of the Jews believed that it was because of these prostitutes and these sinners and these tax collectors that the Romans were permitted by God himself to occupy their land. It was in their idea they needed to reform, cast out whatever they needed to do to get rid of these people in order for the Messiah to come and for them to reclaim their homeland. So Jesus spoke in a really unique way about this very specific group of people in all sorts of his parables, but he continues to do that in Luke chapter 15 when we see the same story but depicted from Dr. Luke says this. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And if he has found it, he will uh, joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and his neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and who haven't strayed away. This concept is absolutely earth-shattering. Not only that would have been seen possibly as heresy or blasphemy by the Jews at the time. They had spent their lives, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, devoted to following every little piece of not only the law that they had found inside the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, but also the law that they had found written in their own holy books and their own writings. Uh, they had religiously and meticulously followed every single rule. Jesus even says, down to tithing from their earth herb gardens, which we have grown herbs in the garden outside of our house. And to be fair, I'm a terrible gardener. I, I plant potatoes once a year, and then I dig them up way too late. They're mostly rotted. But we do plant herbs like basil and parsley, I think. Cilantro? Confirmation from my wife in chat, please. Um, we plant them. And let me just tell you, if you are tithing, taking 10% of the herbs that you collect from your cilantro plant, which they probably didn't have in ancient Israel, just to be fair, it is a very painstaking process to be able to divide out 10% of the weight of cilantro that you're collecting from your garden. And so these people were so rigorous about making sure that they followed every single piece of the law. There was actually a time when I got to be in Israel and we sat down with a couple of people who were Orthodox Jews in this art shop and we got to ask them a couple of questions. And they said that they view the law in this way. If God was to tell you that he was, or if your wife was to tell you that she was sick, and that she wanted an orange, and you went to the marketplace to get her an orange, wouldn't you then also, because you love her, bring her back many oranges? And so for the Jews, when they looked at the Jewish writings and God says, don't do this or do do that, they said in order to display their love for God, they had created a ton of man-made rules because they didn't just want to bring one orange back as God has requested. They loved him so much, they were here to bring on many, many oranges. Is this a TED talk? I love that name, Horny Oracle. Welcome into church. So freaking glad that you're here. It's a TED Talk where I can talk to you, though. So I don't know if that scared you or not, but we're really glad that you're here. And your name is fantastic. So I don't even know what a Horny Oracle looks like, if I'm totally honest with you. It seems very strange to me. But welcome. Thanks for coming to Lux Digital Church. My name is Mark, and I'm the pastor here at Lux. Thanks for being here. 
We're looking at a couple of stories that Jesus told that have totally and completely changed the world and completely changed my life. So just for a moment, let's pause and just be really clear about what Jesus means whenever he says sheep. Because when Jesus said sheep to the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, they assumed that was them, right? And that God would be pleased with them. So when he begins depicting the prostitutes and the tax collectors as the lost and wandering sheep, that not only God is seeking out to go find, but then he finds more joy in heaven over one of these lost sheep coming back to him and coming back to the flock, the 99 who had remained righteous and faithful, it makes absolutely no sense to them. But it also harkens back to one of the other things that he said, right as the Jewish leaders were getting upset about the people that were going and being baptized by John the Baptist, because these also were the tax collectors and the sinners, disreputable people that nobody wanted. And Jesus says, it is those people who are entering the kingdom of God before you because they they recognize the fact that they're sinners and they need to repent, whereas you, the religious leaders who also need to repent, sat on the sidelines and refused to enter into the kingdom. Over and over again, Jesus is pointing out that his kingdom is for everybody. His kingdom is for the lost, the kingdom is for the broken, and that's going to be our, commit, our, our key statement or our um, why it matters here at the end of the night. But before we dive into that, let's talk just for a moment about one of the things that Jesus means when he says the sheep or the shepherd. It says this in the book of John chapter 10, starting in verse 16. He says, Jesus, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and there shall be one shepherd. Throughout all of Jesus' teaching, he was painfully clear about this. But whenever he was opening his kingdom and preaching about his kingdom, that it wasn't just about the kingdom of Israel that was going to be restored. It wasn't just about national power. Instead, Jesus was welcoming in a spiritual kingdom that couldn't be drawn on maps and wasn't going to be cut off by boundaries or borders. That Jesus was going to bring in a kingdom that all people of all nations, of all faiths, of all backgrounds, of all nationalities would have the chance to come and be in. Here, live in the room tonight at NCMS, we have people from Germany and people from uh, the people from International Missions Board. I don't know if they're here, but they are from all over the place as well. We also have people from Australia. In our chat right now, we have people that are scattered all across the globe from all different walks of life with all kinds of different backgrounds and different stories and different faiths. This was the depiction of the kingdom that Jesus was talking about. This was the depiction of the different sheep of different sheep pens that were going to be called in to join his pen. So all of that being said, how do we actually apply it to our lives? Like it, it's one thing to say that Jesus cares for the lost and he wants to go out and seek and save and find the lost sheep, the person who had wandered from the flock, that he would some way bring them back into this flock that wasn't just the kingdom of Israel, but it was a new flock, a new people. He was gonna be creating something new and fresh in this new kingdom that he was bringing into existence, not just by his death and resurrection, but also by his life and his teaching that he was teaching us and educating us. And then through the power of the Holy Spirit, it was gonna lead us to step into this kingdom. We talked over several weeks about the fact that this was more than just about eternal destination. It has way more to do with how we live here and now than just about where we end up when we die. This was also about the fact that we as followers of Jesus were supposed to be the restorative work in the world, that we were piecing together and putting back into place the things that were broken and shattered in the world, that we're partnering with God in his redemptive story from page two of the Bible where we break it to the la one last page from the Bible where it's restored stored, that there's this epic redemptive story that God is telling, and he's telling it through you, and he's telling it through me to restore a broken world back to Eden the way that was intended to be, when there would be a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem, and God would live amongst his people, and he would be their light, and there would be no 
more need for the sun, that this is the depiction of the future that we're headed towards, but we get the opportunity to partner with Jesus here and now inside of his kingdom work to bring heaven to where we are, that there's something beautiful about that, that God is not just about making sure that you don't go to heaven or make sure that you do go to heaven and don't go to hell. He's not just about making sure that you say a quick prayer for a get out of jail free card, but he is about interacting with you here and now in total and complete life transformation. He has a plan for you and an intention for you because he loves you and cares about you, that he knit you together. That there's something beautiful about the fact that God has a plan for you, that you're not without purpose, that God has a grand and beautiful purpose for your life. But I think we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions on the other side of this passage in terms of how we can apply it to our actual lives. And the first question is this, are you with the sheep or are you still wandering? Are you with the sheep or are you still wandering? I think this can be taken two different ways. One of those ways is there are lots of people who claim Jesus. They claim to be followers of Jesus, but their lives don't look a whole lot like his. That we're claiming Christ, but we're still actively and intentionally living inside of sin. That we're claiming Christ, but we're still regularly, daily looking at porn. That we're spending 40 minutes at a shot just scouring through to find that perfect thing. That we're trading off uh, looking for moments of unfulfilling ecstasy in exchange what we receive is a shattered and broken life with a poor view of the opposite sex and of ourselves. That we're making a cheap trade. For some of us, we're living with someone who we're not married to and we're sleeping with that person. We're stepping in and breaking relationships. For some of us, we've been so heavily addicted to video games and escapism that we just are completely and totally unengaged with the world. We haven't paused long enough from our League of Legends match to actually tune in to much of what's going on until you heard me say that you're addicted to video games. For some of us, we've just been drinking too heavily. For some of us, we're caught in addiction. For some of us, we're caught in judgment. For some of us, we've become like the religious leaders and the teachers, and we've just found reasons to put others down to make ourselves feel elevated so that we can feel like we're closer to Jesus. Just a heads up, nobody grows closer to Jesus and more prideful simultaneously. If someone tells you I'm more like Jesus than I've ever been, and they are more prideful than they've ever been, then they are in fact not more like Jesus than they've ever been, because you cannot grow closer to Jesus without also growing in humility. Some of us have wandered from the flock. We've decided that we could go it on our own. We think that we're a lone wolf. But let me tell you, there's a big difference between a lone wolf and a wandering sheep. And let me also just be really clear with you. Satan, our enemy, will always let you wander. Satan will always allow you to wander from the sheep's pen. And he never reveals your secret sin, which never remains secret, by the way. He never reveals your secret sin when it's A, convenient, or B, would be unproductive for him. He will allow you to wander from the sheepfold until you are tangled. And that is when the lion will pounce. He'll allow you to wander from the sheepfold until you cannot cry for help. He'll allow you to wander from the shepherd until you're out of sight and out of mind. So perhaps you're here today and just going to be really honest, you've wandered from the sheepfold. You've wandered from the master you've wandered from your brothers or sisters. You haven't been plugged into a church. You've been going at lone wolf. There are things that have captured your heart and captured your mind that are strapping you down, that are chaining you up. And you think that nobody knows about them and you think that no one will know about them, but secrets don't remain secrets. 
They always have a tendency of rearing their heads. And our enemy always uses those things against us when we have the most opportunity to be effective inside of God's kingdom. And perhaps you're here tonight and you've never been in the sheepfold. You've never been part or experienced Jesus in any real or powerful way. Perhaps you're here and you think it's all hogwash and stupid, and I totally understand that as well. There were certainly seasons in my life when I felt that way. But perhaps there's something here tonight that is just really speaking to you, and you're just, man, you're feeling something right now, and you're like, I, I really feel like there's something going on here. The Holy Spirit's beginning to work in your life, and you're beginning to feel convicted. And you like, man, you've been looking for a home. You've been feeling like you're wondering, you're sick and tired of being alone, you're sick and tired of not having a place, can I just tell you that God not only has a plan for your life, but it's a beautiful plan. It's not always an easy plan, but it's a better plan. Let me just tell you, an easy life without purpose is still a hollow life. A hard life with purpose can radically change us and transform us. And the other thing that I think we can take from this, that if Jesus had a one, then we need to have a one. Like many people in our church, you'll hear them talk about the fact that they have a one. This is my one. In fact, put a five in chat if you have a one. If you're part of our church family, you have a one. You know what I'm talking about. Throw a five in chat. Raise your hand because I have a one. I have a couple of ones. They're people who I'm praying for. They're people whom I love. I'm not shoving Jesus down their throat. I'm not forcing them into spiritual conversations. I'm just loving on them. I'm being part of their life. I'm gaming with them. They're close to me. I care for them. I'm praying with them. I'm praying for them. And when they want to enter spiritual conversation, I'm just there to enter spiritual conversation. I'm praying that God would work in their life because they're my one. They're the people that God has sent me to. He's chosen me in some way, shape, or form to seek and save the lost just the same as he's chosen you to seek and save the lost. If you're wondering, man, I don't, I don't, I get bored with my Bible. I don't really want to read my Bible. It's probably because you don't have a one. Because you're not encountering someone who's actually asking you questions that you have to go to your Bible to answer. When you're reading your Bible for, new pur for no purpose, it gets boring. But when you're reading your Bible because people are asking you questions that you want to be able to answer, it becomes so engaging. If you're here with us tonight and you do not have a one and you're like, man, I don't know, who would I, I, I don't, listen, if you have been inside of Christian streams and Christian circles and Christian churches and Christian activities so much that you're inoculated against non-believers, you need to make some changes in your life because Jesus didn't call you to comfort and just hanging out with other people. He called you to partner with him in mission, to bring souls into his kingdom that people might be saved for eternal for their eternal destination. But on top of that, they might partner with the work and enter the vineyard and enter the kingdom with us here and now that they might be part of the redemptive work by which God had created them for, that they might seek purpose and find glory inside of the fact that God has created them with something beautiful in mind, that he loves them and that he cares for them. Don't ever bar somebody from that just because you're afraid of rejection or you're afraid that it would be awkward or you're afraid that you would be labeled. Who is your one? As we get ready to close tonight, there's been something that's really been heavy on my heart I want to go to our summary first. Our summary for this week, the why it matters, is this. Jesus' kingdom is for everyone. Jesus' kingdom was for the children. Jesus' kingdom was for the prostitute. Jesus' kingdom was for the tax collector. Jesus' kingdom was for the foreigner. Jesus' kingdom, his flock was going to be made up of people who heard his voice no matter where they came from. Jesus' kingdom is for everyone, but Jesus' kingdom does not permit everything. Let me, let me just be really clear. Jesus' kingdom is for everyone, but Jesus' kingdom does not pour, permit everything. When Jesus encountered the woman who was caught in adultery, he said, God up, I want you to sin no more. When he met the rich young ruler, he said, go and sell everything that you have and come and follow me. There are things that aren't permitted inside of our Father's kingdom. 
In a world of blind acceptance, can I just be really clear with you? Entrance into the kingdom of God means that our lives have to be transformed. We don't enter them how we are. We're reborn, rebirthed, renewed, remade. When we step into our Father's kingdom, we become a new creation. God does not allow us to simply step in in our old skin. We have to shed and leave behind the old man, the old woman has to die on the cross of Christ. It must die and be crucified with him that we may be reborn, remade, renewed, and be brought into his kingdom for the redemptive work that he has for us. There is an old life that is not you any longer, and you have to learn to leave it behind. There is a God who loves you too much to leave you where you are. Can I be really honest with you? Our culture has a lot of people who are confused about their identity, confused about who they are, and we may as Christians be frustrated with where our culture is going, but there is nothing more confusing to a culture than a person who claims to be part of the flock who's wandered off. There are so many people who are inside the church right now. They're like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but they are nothing like Jesus and they're nowhere near the flock. They're wandering off, parading about, confused about their identity. They think they know Jesus, but indeed they may know him in word and they may be able to repeat a few things about him, but they've never entered the flock. They've never come into the kingdom. They're not about the work of the Lord. They're about tearing down God's good creation rather than rebuilding and restoring it. If that is you tonight, then I'm just calling out to you from NCMS Live here in Texas to wherever you are, the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, repent and turn away from the way that you've been living and return to the flock. You're not a lone wolf. You're a stupid sheep and you will be destroyed outside of the flock in the safety of the shepherd. That Jesus has called you into a relationship with him to be transformed. Following Jesus isn't something you tack on to an already established life. It completely, totally, and it just completely and totally remakes your life. It doesn't give direction to one slice of who you are. It directs every piece of who you are. Jesus didn't just say, let me come in and be your savior. He said, I will be your savior and I will be your Lord. Savior meaning he offers to save you from sin and death. Lord meaning he becomes your owner and your master. I'm not asking you to follow me, but if you're gonna follow Jesus, I'm telling you right now, you're gonna have to submit to him as Lord and master and shepherd. If you wanna enter the sheepfold, you have to leave the old life behind. Can I just tell you? There is a God who loves you and that has something better for you. My brothers and sisters, no longer be confused about your identity. You and I, we are sheep. We are sheep who have wandered from the flock. And there is a Jesus who loves you and I so much that he has left the 99 to seek us out and lead us back into the protection of the fold. I hope and I pray if you're here tonight and you've never embraced Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life, that right now in your own way, that you would decide that Jesus was gonna come into your life, that he was gonna be your Savior, meaning he saves you from sin and death, but also Lord, that you're just gonna listen, Jesus, I'm ready to follow you. I don't know what this is all about. I don't have all the answers. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to believe, but whatever's going on right now, I am sure that I'm supposed to be submitting to you as Lord. You become part of our family. We become brothers and we become sisters. Listen, without Jesus, I'm little more than the titles that I've carried. Without Jesus, I'm little more than an addict. Without Jesus, I'm little more than an arrogant prick. Without Jesus, without him restoring and refreshing my life, I'm nothing. But because of Jesus, I'm a chosen child and son of the living God. That he can do more through me than I could ever do through myself. That I am made 
new. So if you're here tonight and you need newness, whether you've been a follower of Jesus for most of your life, but you've wandered from the, from the fold and from the flock, or you're here for the first time and you're saying, I need a fresh start, there's newness available to you in the person of Jesus. And here at Lux, we would love to talk to you about that. After church tonight, we're going to be on the couch in post-service, and then we're going to be over in Discord. I won't be there tonight, but our team will be there. There will be lots of amazing people. They would love to chat with you, get to know you a little bit, hear your story, learn where you're coming from, build a relationship, get to know you a little bit. And if you have questions about faith and spirituality and Jesus and the things that he taught and the things that he said and did, listen, we would love to talk to you about that. Let's pray. Father God, I love you and I thank you. I thank you for being a good and gracious, kind and loving God. I thank you for the amazing group of people who are here live in our chat tonight who are just, wow, just incredible. Thank you for the people who are live here with us at NCMS in Texas. I pray now, Father, I pray that if there are those who are here tonight who do not yet know you, that they would put their faith and their hope in you that they would decide that they want to be a force for good and restoration in the world, that they would follow you into that instead of being a force of destruction and decay. And if there are those who are part of our church family or even just joining us as guests tonight who are feeling like, yeah, I know Jesus, but I've wandered from the fold. I'm, I'm pretending right now. I, I think that I'm a lone wolf, but really I'm a lost and scared sheep. Then I pray, God, that they would turn back to you because you're never far from them. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Lux Digital Church. If Lux has been having an impact on your life, I want to encourage you to visit us at luxdigitalchurch.com and get connected to our community there. We're so thankful for you and we appreciate you. Have a blessed day and a blessed week.